Hour of Devastation is a fan-supported, listener-supported podcast, supported by people just like you. If you like what you hear and want to show your support, head over to patreon.com slash hour of devastation. A pledge to start from as little as one dollar. Thanks. Welcome to Hour of Devastation, a weekly Magic the Gathering podcast where we talk all things Magic the Gathering. I'm your host, Joel Howden, and with me as always is Sam Neill. Hiya. How are you doing this week, Sam? I'm doing okay. Good, good. <laughs> Hanging in there in your, your isolation station. <laughs> oh dear. What a bad, what a bad joke. Um, yeah, I'm coming to the end of uh, being in quarantine now, which means I have to return to work um, on Thursday of this week. Um, yeah. I'm looking forward to that at all. No, I can imagine. That's it's pretty crap to be honest um yeah yeah i i hope that you you've been provided with you know a non-zero amount of protective equipment at work uh let's not discuss that because it will become the entire podcast yes <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah i've gotten kind of accustomed to uh just sort of doing nothing all day and uh, now i have to go back to work where it is less safe than my own house so yeah. uh yeah, that's kind of crap. But, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing all right. I'm just trying not to think about it. This would be a nice distraction. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. Well, <laughs> uh, how has your week been been for magic then? If you you've obviously haven't had many real-life scary responsibilities. Yeah, I've played very little magic. I did yep. the uh, the historic brawl F&M thing. Yeah. Area. That was good fun. I enjoyed that a lot. Yeah, me um, too. That was surprisingly fun. Yeah. And then I, it, I, I played... Uh, Niv Mizzet Reborn, like a sweet five color deck, and just playing nice. every multicolor card I owned. Nice, which is really sweet. And then it turns out that that deck, apart from like three cards, was just standard legal. So then I just played loads of brawl, <laughs> oh, cool. just like regular standard brawl. Wow. Okay. With the same deck, just like just to, to grind through the dailies and stuff. Yeah. Because um, yeah. I, I, I assume that was on Wednesday then. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes it was. Um, but yeah, just, just grinding through loads of stuff. Um, no, no, because they had the, the, the Brawler's Guildhall thing. On. Oh, okay, yeah. I, I didn't didn't participate in that one. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Um, I just jammed loads of Brawl because it was an easy way to clear my dailies. And it was just yeah. like, the, I, I think I played about 20 games cool. and lost two. Nice. Because my opponent's trying to do like fun stuff and gimmicky stuff, and I was just like, cast this six six flyer, draw six cards. Yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> it just was, it wasn't fair at all. Uh, so that was good fun. And then I did a couple of Theros Beyond Death drafts before it goes out because yeah. I really enjoyed that format. Even if like the arena bots are, were still kind of bad towards the end of the format, um, drafted a few decks, got a couple seven twos, I think, which is which is good. It turns out if you uh, pack one, pick one Ashiok, you win a lot of games. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I just drafted Ashiok and then just a bunch of draw spells to find Ashiok. <laughs> Seems good. <laughs> yeah, it was very good. Uh, and then I've just been doing some miscellaneous gaming outside of Magic just to fill the time, you know? Yeah, I know that. Know that feeling well. I definitely had I had two weeks of isolation myself. And yeah, I feel like you just find find yourself doing all sorts of things to, to pass the time. And I know I, I definitely enjoyed my time. I hope you did too. Yeah, started playing World of Warcraft. Oof. Oh. Yep. <laughs> uh, there's a there's a game that I haven't touched for a very long time and probably never will again. Yep, I've never played it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, well. Good luck. You know. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, I've now gotten to the point where like I have to like actually be good at the game as opposed to being told where to go and what to do. Yeah. Uh, which is less fun. But <laughs> but yeah, I started doing that because I was that bored. 
Yeah, I think it would take me a lot to go back to that game. I've definitely lost weeks of my life to that game. I can see that it going that way. Yeah. But yeah, I like my friends playing it, so it's just like something we can all jump on Discord and do together, you know? Yeah, definitely. It was something that I, I played a lot in my teens, and I had a couple of friends, and we we were pretty good at the game, um, I'm going to say. But yeah, I don't know. The, le- the least said, the better. It was... <laughs> I miss being young and being able to play <laughs> video games for 40 hours straight. Yeah, this is the problem, right? Because I've been yeah. able to do that for the last two weeks, and now I have to go back to work, which is... Which is not. <laughs> like I just spent my entire time. I also started playing Call of Duty Warzone. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, just getting really getting my chat on. It's you, been. Yeah. You, you used to are a pro gamer now, aren't you? Yeah, I bought a new mouse and a new keyboard. Epic. It's awesome. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean that game's pretty fun. It's just Call of Duty, but crossed with Fortnite. Yeah. Which you know are popular games for a reason. And now that I've completely ruined any credibility and respectability I had, uh, how was your week? Yeah, my week was was pretty good. I think. Um, so I started working from home from last Monday uh, proper. So, um, yeah, I find myself between the hours of eight and four not really doing a lot of working when I should be. Um, I find it's quite, it's quite easy to get distracted. But I have had plenty of free time in that as well because my actual work has been a bit quiet too, which was expected. So I've managed to play like just loads of magic. I've been grinding the, the standard ladder. I'm working my way up through Platinum at the moment with Mono Red. It's it's boring, but I'm getting there. Uh, I've also branched out quite a bit. I've played a lot of the um, the Historic Cube Sealed event. Yeah, I did one and then realised I was really bad at Sealed. Oh, no. And uh, just sort of gave up. Yeah, I I, th- I think I've, I must have done about 30, I think, at this point. Like I've, I've played a lot. Jesus Christ, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess, like, if your work's getting less and, like, you don't have to commute anymore. Yeah. So as soon as you finish work at four, you can just do whatever the hell you want. Yeah, like, I usually have, like, an hour commute to work on the morning either way as well. Um, So there's an extra two hours of my day back instantly. And, yeah, it's been pretty quiet during the day as far as, like, BAU work goes. So I've definitely had, like, the odd... 10 minutes here and there just to jump in and, and play a game. Uh, plus, like, the, I found, like, the Esper decks are really good in that format, and they're filled with cards that I love to play. I've, I've had a lot of fun. I found it very easy to, to, at the very least, just win your entry back and go infinite. So nice. I've played a lot of those. I've recorded a few of them. Um, I've been recording a lot of video content, to be honest, um, getting it up on the on the YouTube channel. Uh, and I have also been playing the FNM. I played the FNM Brawl, historic Brawl event as well, like you did. I played a Nickel Bolas the Ravager deck, and you had a great time. I had a great time, surprisingly. Yeah, I think this might actually be my my first step on the way to Commander conversion. See, this is the thing. I think if you played one on one Commander, you'd probably have a really good time because I know you've said before that the multiplayer aspect is what you don't like about Commander. Yeah. So that's why you enjoyed the Brawl because it's just one v one, but it's just kind of like slightly. But like a more fun, silly version of regular magic. Right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I mean, it was it was a lot of fun, and I got to play with cards that I don't usually get to play with in a competitive setting. But I really enjoy, but are also quite powerful. That's what commander's about. Yeah, definitely. Like I had a lot of fun going like you know, turn two arcane signet in you know, turn three midnight clock and leaving a mana for a counter spell. Like that was great, great fun. All about that life. Yeah, we'll make a commander player out of you yet. I swear. Yeah, maybe, maybe. I mean, that's what commander's all about. It's playing powerful cards you don't get to play anywhere else. Yeah, that is true. Maybe, maybe I'll consider 
brewing some sort of Locust God list again. I know that there, are, there have been a, a bunch of new draw sevens since I last sleeved that deck up, so maybe, maybe. I mean, we can try and play some 1v1s on online platforms, see how you feel. Yeah, definitely. I'd be up right. for that. Yeah, yeah, sweet. Cool. I guess formalities out of the way, we do have a lot to talk about this week, don't we? Uh, yeah, we've got a lot of uh, behemoths to talk about, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm, it, I'm super excited for Ikoria. Yeah, I still find it so hard to know what's going on. Every time I look at the full spoiler, I just find a new card that I've never seen before. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that me I'm just, too. Like, and not just like, you know, random draft draft, just like, oh, I've never seen this rare before. Uh, which is going to make my evaluation of the set top notch. I think this is quite probably the most complicated set they've ever made. Including Time Spiral? I think including Time Spiral and including Modern Horizons. I think the mutate mechanic alone is just so unlike anything that we've had to really deal with before. Like, it's similar to, like we were saying last week, it is similar to, like, Bestow in a lot of ways, but it just changes so many things and leaves you with so many questions that aren't necessarily intuitive or you find yourself second-guessing a lot of the time. Yeah, like, there's a lot of new sort of... When you look at and extrapolate and compare it, like, add, add old mechanics to it, it just gets so much more confusing. Yeah. Like, when you add, like, persist and stuff into the mix and just, like, it doesn't work the way that it works in every other situation. So, like, there's a certain way it works for, like bouncing it and then a certain way it works for flickering and a certain way it works for like persistent and dying and a certain way it works for being killed and it's just like I see what you mean but like at least once you get that like yeah. once you understand how mutate works and the ins and outs of it then that's it. Whereas yeah. like stuff like Time Spiral it's like you have to learn 70 different mechanics right? This is, this is true yeah I think I think it, it feels that way at this point but I think you're right. I think once we start playing with the cards, like especially on Arena, I don't think it's going to be too difficult Like once you get used to playing with them. But I think from, from this point, with having no experience playing the set, um, it just it feels very unintuitive and and very confused. Like imagine if you, if you were like a new player, if you saw like, oh, Magic's doing a crossover with Godzilla. This is cool. I've got loads of free time and, and, and I want to learn something new now we're in lockdown. Let's... Uh, Let's jump into magic, let's learn magic, and then suddenly you're presented with like the most complicated set they've released in like at least a decade. I mean it's a, yeah, I agree in terms of a decade, I'd say it's probably the most complex set they've released. Yeah. Um, but I mean I like I say, I think once you get it, that's the only hard thing to pass, I guess. Like in terms of when we talked last week about how difficult it's gonna to be to maintain a board state and understand what's going on any of the time. Yeah. <laughs> but once you understand how mutate as a mechanic works. I think that's the only hurdle, and then from then on, it's just kind of a normal magic set, I guess. Yeah, but yeah, but yeah, like some of the stacks, like piles of cards, and someone's going to put them in the wrong order. We covered this last week. We did. It's, <laughs> it's, it's going to be a nightmare. So, do we want to move on to talking about some actual magic cards? Let's do it. Yeah, we've got quite a few cards to talk about this week, um, so I think we're going to start off with a game. Uh, it's not a game of our own. We have absolutely stolen this one, but <laughs> uh, I feel like nobody really does this anymore. But Channel Fireball on their Magic TV used to do a segment called Hit or Myth, where they would go through the myths, the mythics in a set, and they'd give them a, a rating of hit if they thought that they were on theme, that they felt mythic, or myth if they if they missed if they missed the mark and didn't have that mythic feeling about them. I guess they never miss, huh? 
That's the one, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so let's, let's do it for all the mythics and see how mythic they are. Yeah. Sweet. Do you want to start us off? Awesome. So we're going to start off with Brokos. Is it Brokos? Brokos? I think that's that's the other thing that I find very strange about this set, first <laughs> off. I have no idea how to pronounce most of their names. <laughs> I mean, yeah, a double K is not really a thing that happens in English language very often. Yeah. I think Brokos, because it's a double. I w- yeah, I would assume it's Brokos. Which but also it looks, it looks quite similar to Oko. Yeah, but Oko is Oko because it has a single K, so it elongates the vowels. Whereas... In Ocos. the rules of the English language, however, what, no do they, what do they speak on Ikoria? Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> so yes, Brokos Apex of Forever, which yeah. is... I don't like that name. I don't like that name at all. I, I, I don't even like the card, to be honest. So Brokos is two black, green, blue for a legendary creature, Nightmare Beast, with Mutate, two Demir Hybrid, green, green. Uh, with Trample, and you may cast Brokos Apex of Forever from your graveyard using its mutate ability, and it's a 6-6. Six, six. Yeah, this doesn't feel like a mythic. Yeah, I think this is a myth, completely. Um, yeah. It, like, so the idea of, of there being these, like, legendary Nightmare Beast elemental creatures is, is really cool, and I, I think that that in itself feels a bit mythic, but, like, a 5-mana 6-6 six, six with Trample that you can cast from your graveyard. Sort of just doesn't feel great to me. This feels like the kind of mechanic, like, maybe not the stats and, like, the casting costs, maybe, but this feels like it could just be an uncommon. Like, it, it just, like, it mutates from the graveyard. Yeah. That seems like a normal thing that any kind of magic card could do. It doesn't feel like a mythic special, like, this is the one of the most exciting cards in the set kind of thing, right? Mm. Yeah, I fully agree there. I, I For me, this, this is definitely a myth. Cool, well, that was easy. Let's move on to the next one. Cool. Next up, we have Cheville, Bane of Monsters. It's black-green for a legendary creature, Human Rogue, with Death Touch. And at the beginning of your upkeep, if your opponents control no permanents with bounty counters on them, put a bounty counter on target creature or planeswalker an opponent controls. Whenever a permanent an opponent controls with a bounty counter on it dies, you gain three life, draw one card, and he's a 1-3. Um... I'm going to say myth again. Ooh, interesting. I've got hit for, for Cheville. It just has a lot of words on it. It does, yeah. But the words on it aren't that exciting. I mean, I, I think draw a card is quite an exciting word. Well, not word, phrase, I guess. Draw a card uh, I, features on all cards of all rarities, <laughs> especially sure, all green cards. cards. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> sure, that, that, that's fair enough. Um, yeah, I, I think I've, I've given him a hit based on... The fact that it's it's like a unique counter type, um, putting a bounty counter on the creatures or, or planeswalkers, it feels very flavorful. If he's he's the bane of monsters, he's this this hero, this bounty hunter. Uh, he's putting a bounty on you, and when when he kills the monster, he's cashing in, cashing in the bounty. You gain some life. You draw a card. And I think that's I think that's pretty pretty much a hit in my eyes. I mean, that's just flavorful and good top down design more than it is. Like a mythic card, right? I don't think yeah, it affects mythic. I, I think I so. Think... I, I, I think... I don't think they could put that text on a rare... Tetsamark? The way... Um, I think like it's Tetsamark different, it's different, it's different to Tetsamark. Uh, I, also, I also think Tetsamark probably should have been a mythic. 
I mean, in terms of limited, like, but in terms of fail, it didn't fail Mythic. I don't think. Well, I guess I, all the Elder, all Elder Dinosaurs had to be rare, I guess. But Yeah, I, mean, I, I, I feel like they should have been Mythic, all the Elder Dinosaurs, because they're the Elder Dinosaurs. I mean, it's kind of similar to uh, Haphazard Bombardment from Dominaria. That's rare. That is like true. On that's true. They, I mean, it's fine. It just has a lot of words on it. And I don't think that makes it Mythic. Yeah, if it was... I mean, if it was like a non-legendary creature, sure. But I think because he's, it's legendary and it's a character, and he's 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 this bounty hunter, monster slayer, and it's reflected very well on his card. And I think the card is also fairly powerful for what it is. I think for me, it definitely feels feels a bit mythic. Yeah, sure. I can I can I can, I can understand your reasoning. It's just that for me, it feels a bit a bit like a miss, you know. Yeah, sure. Cool. So right. we'll disagree on that one. Yep. Uh, let's move on to our next one. We have Fiend Artisan. Uh, Fiend Artisan is Golgari Hybrid. Golgari Hybrid for a Nightmare creature. Fiend Artisan gets plus one, plus one for each creature card in your graveyard. You can pay X and Golgari Hybrid to tap. Sacrifice another creature. Search your library for a creature card with converted mana cost X or less. Put it onto the battlefield, then shuffle your library. Activate this ability only any time you can cast a sorcery. It starts off as a 1-1. Yeah, this is this is very much a hit. Yeah, I fully agree there. It's a birthing pod effect, and I think if they printed birthing pod now in a standard set, it would be a mythic. Mm. I think when they fully first, agree. Yeah, when they first printed, they were still getting to terms with what what mythic was, but yeah. it, it just is like this effect is so stupid, um, and so like it, it's it's a very rare mechanic, right? That's that's kind of what feels mythic to me is that you don't yeah. see this on a lot of cards. Um, like a repeatable go find a creature card and this is the most interesting implementation i think of this we've got because obviously you've got birthing pod which goes to find which goes to find a creature with one more you've got uh, vanifar which does exactly the same thing you've got like eldritch evolution which finds two more or less yeah and uh, neoform which finds one more or less and this finds a specific card like you can yep. just know exactly what you're searching for and you can just you can suck off a seven drop or you can suck off a um a token right yeah and it goes goes and finds exactly what you need and then it also gets bigger like a lot of cards we've seen before yeah this feels very mythic to me it's also just yeah, like a definitely. huge weird six-armed nightmare with four eyes <laughs> yeah it's it's a fantastic value engine uh, it's a very powerful mechanic and we know that that birthing pod or birthing pod effects tend to be a bit of a nightmare in themselves so i think the fact that it's a nightmare here is a, a bit of a flavor win as well good joke yeah very good joke. Well yeah, I, I think it's great. I think this card is, is a hit, absolutely. How do you feel about this card for constructed play in Eternal formats? Very excited to put this in my Marin Commander deck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's probably not good enough anywhere. Yeah. I know some people have talk, been talking about putting it in uh, Legacy Maverick as just like a toolbox card to go along with Green Sun Zenith, but it's just so slow, yeah. um, and it dies to every removal spell in the format, and it's just not quite good. You'd have to rebuild the deck and stuff, but I don't think it goes anywhere in particular. I'm not sure, honestly, about any other like format that it's playable in. Yep. It's got potential, I guess, to do some kind of birthing pod impression in modern or maybe pioneer. Yeah, I think pioneer is more likely than modern. I just think that it's probably too slow for modern. Um, and I don't know. I was going to say maybe that that mana. Uh, the fact that you have to pay X mana to find something of, of worth is is probably going to be too much. But then I remembered Urza's a thing, so 
maybe <laughs> no i mean like i think birthing pod would be too slow for modern at this point yeah quite you can just unban birthing pod and it just won't wouldn't really matter um <laughs> pioneer already has vanifar and vanifar doesn't do anything in pioneer yeah and i think true. this it, it's probably slightly more powerful yeah but doesn't have the chains that vanifar has so vanifar can just go and go infinite just if you untap whereas this yeah. you have to like do a lot of you have to have a lot of mana right like it's very mana intensive to, to yeah, do it definitely i think like doing a vague tarmogoyf impression is kind of interesting yeah. with some value tacked on but i don't think it's good enough for basically any eternal format i wouldn't yeah that's say. fair i think it, it might be one to watch for the future in pioneer though they'll probably print something they'll break at some point yeah they right. always do they always do <laughs> cool let's move on cool next up we have general kudrow of dranith uh, he is a one white black for a legendary creature, human soldier. Other humans you control get plus one plus one. Whenever General Kudrow of Dranath or another human enters a battlefield under your control, exile target card from an opponent's graveyard. You can pay two, sacrifice two humans to destroy a target creature of power four or greater, and he's a three three. Um Again this feels kinda rare. I got hit again for this one. I think I think this guy's a hit. Uh, so my my reasoning was um, again a bit of a, a bit of a flavor reasoning, but I think when I've done these his hit or myth ratings, it's it's mostly on, on I guess like gut feeling, um, inspired by by flavor, by stats, by powerful effect. Uh, I think very much on the flavor side, he he, he wins for me. Um, I think I haven't so I haven't read the novel yet, but I assume. He's he's going to be presented as this sort of like, you know, stern old general. Like, oh, we are willing to make sacrifices to destroy the monsters. And I think it's a very flavorful mechanic that he has on there. That you can you can pay pay two and sacrifice two humans to destroy a big monster. You you know you're willing to do anything for the greater good. Um, yeah, I think he, he pumps you over creatures, so he is a bit of a, a rallying cry. I think he he very much embodies what a a a general or at least a black white general would be in, in magic i mean it's nice to see an older man with a giant walrus mustache appear on a magic card you don't really see older older it's been a while. characters yeah you don't really see like older people on magic cards this much that much if it's like a named character like a legendary creature it's normally just like someone in their 20s yeah <laughs> so it's cool to see like an old man and it does feel like he does feel like he fits this kind of ability where it's just like yeah you see like an, a grizzled old general who's just willing to win at any cost yeah um but i mean the effect kind of feels a bit medium it depends how like how good mutate is um yeah i, I don't know like because you get to kill big th- i don't know like it it deals with escape, I guess. Right? Yeah, that's true, yeah. Um, though we're not seeing that many escape cards being too good in standard currently. Um, but, I mean, yeah, it's just a human lord, and it feels kind of more rare than anything. It just feels like it's a three-mana lord for humans that has some random text that will probably be more relevant in older formats than yeah, it will in, um, in, in standard. Yeah, um, I, think, I think certainly, like... Like again, as far as like eternal format playability goes, there may be some potential there as like a sideboard card, perhaps. Um, destroy target creature of power four or greater by sacking two of your humans. You never know. I mean, I think I think to be, for this to be mythic for me, it would have to like have some kind of clause where it just makes creatures, mm. like when endless battlefield make two humans, sure. and, then it, and then it feeds itself. Yeah, and it, it's all like this thing with mythics. It, like it feels like they should be all one enclosed card, like. Um, 
like Fiend Artisan, right? Where it just has yeah. like one enclosed card, you can make an entire game plan about one card being yeah. on the battlefield. Whereas one this card just does everything. Yeah, whereas this card also has to like, like sacrificing two human cards that you've actually played, right? Like you spend a card out of your hand to make two humans, um, and then having to sacrifice those like feels like a massive loss just to destroy a creature with power four or greater. It's not even destroying target yeah, creature, sure. right? Yeah. Um, it's it, it just feels like this should it should be its own engine. Like it should have it either at least come in with two tokens, in which case you probably have to adjust the mana cost slightly, or like have a way to like do something to make to make humans to make it mythic. It just kind of feels like it feels more rare than anything, and it feels like the uh, the the law and the character is pushing it more towards mythic than the mechanics on the card. Yeah, I I can definitely see that. Um, again, I, I think for for me, I'm going to stick with with hit on this one. Um, is it based on that that gut instinct? But it is very much the the flavor side that that's driving that for me. Yeah, I think I think um, cards like Questing Beast have just completely ruined what I think a mythic should look like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it just has every kind of word on it, and all of them. Oh, are I was I was so confused. I was playing that brawl event where like one of my opponents had Questing Beast as their commander, and I was like, what, "How have they got Questing Beast as their as their commander?" And I was like, "Oh wait, no, it's legendary as well, isn't it?" Like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it loses to Caracas. It's really bad. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think this one's this one's a myth for me. I think. Sure. Cool. Next one. Yeah. Next up. Uh, next up, we have Aluna, Apex of Wishes. So Aluna is two green, blue, red for a beast elemental dinosaur, legendary creature. It has mutate three gruel blue blue. It has flying trample, and whenever this creature mutates, exile cards from the top of your library until you exile a non-land permanent card. Put that card on the battlefield or into your hand, and it's a six-six. Yeah, this one feels more mythicy for me. Yeah, I, I've got hit. I've got hit for this one, um, but I've said so this one's a bit borderline. I think. I think it's definitely more of a hit than, than Brocco was, but I'm not really. Mm, I don't know. I think. As a as a standalone card, if it was just like like a five minus six-six. Hmm, I don't know. Maybe I should get rid of the borderline. Now I'm, I'm reading it again. I'm like, oh, maybe it is just just a hit. If it was if it was a five mana six six flying trample, with and it enters the battlefield, exile cards from the top of your library until you exile an online permanent card. Put that on the battlefield or in your hand, and didn't have the mutate bit. Then, yeah, it's probably just a hit. Yeah, I I, I think I mean I think all of these like we'll see all the all the legendary multicolor wedge creatures. Uh, at mythic with the the weird mutate costs, I think they're sort of like the headliners of the mechanic, right? So they yeah. Path to mythic, and they're like, I imagine going to be kind of. I mean, maybe they won't, but probably big story characters as well. They're like, in the same way that like the dragon lords on Tarkir are like the big mythic yeah. cards, right? Yeah, this is kind of filling that role for this set. But I think yeah, like when it mutates, just find a permanent card and put it into play, right, from the top of your library. Like that's, yeah. That's that's very mythic feeling. I don't think you could put that anywhere else. It's just it it's got a lot going on. Like it's a five mana six six for flying and trample, which is just absurd. Yeah. And then it also has mutate, and then it also <laughs> does a stupid ability when you mutate it. Yeah, so, I'm not sure why I had this one up on a borderline. <laughs> I think just just rereading it now, I'm like, oh yeah, no, this is this is very very good. Um, I think I don't know, maybe I just wasn't feeling a lot of flavor coming from it, but. Yeah, the fact that you can just repeat that effect over and over by mutating different things seems fantastic. I mean, did you maybe read put that card into your hand as opposed to on the battlefield or into your hand? I think I might have read it as put that card on the battlefield rather than put that card on the battlefield or into your hand. Oh, so you read it as worse? Yeah. <laughs> yeah much worse. Okay, sure. 
Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think this is a hit for me. It just, it just, it has a lot going on, and, and the, the effect is just generally very, very powerful. Yeah, and you don't want this showing up in limited. <laughs> yeah, fully agree. Fully agree there. Cool. So next up, we have Kinnan Bonded Prodigy. Oh no. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. It's a green blue for a legendary creature, human druid. Whenever you tap a non-land permanent for mana, add one mana of any type that permanent produced. And you can pay five green blue for look at the top five cards of your library. You may put a non-human creature card from among them onto the battlefield. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. And Kinnan is a 2-2. Yes, this is the most mythic feeling card I've seen in quite some time. Yeah, I uh. think this is, this is just an absolute hit. And is probably going to end up being the most busted card in the set. Yep. I haven't seen a card that looks this mythic and since uh, Uro. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ, man, what is this card? Okay, so first of all, before I just go on the little tirade about how stupid this card is, it does feel very mythic, right? Yeah, I, it, I think so, yeah. It's clearly doing like something very, very, very flavorful. Like it's a bond of prodigies. Like there's a there's a sub theme in the set with like non-human creatures and human creatures doing stuff in conjunction with each other, right? And like yeah. non-human is a tribe and human is a tribe in this set. And like this is a card that, that goes and finds a creature um, and puts it onto the battlefield for some reason. But also, it's a two mana mana doubler. Yeah. Um, and obviously, it's non-land permanent, but that's a very powerful effect. And we we've seen cards that double mana um, be mythic before. Yeah, definitely. Or at least be a much higher mana cost <laughs> in order to not be mythic. Uh, so this being two mana two two that also just this is this is what I'm talking about with like a mythic feel, right? So this is um, a two mana two two that doubles mana, and then it has a seven mana activate ability that puts something onto the battlefield. So it's like it's a one card engine, right? Yeah, definitely. You just yeah. need other permanents that produce other non-land permanents that produce mana. So like it it just it does it by itself kind of because you're, it's yeah. going along with the game plan. Um, and I guess you could say that for. Uh, for General Kudro. I guess it requires a couple of extra pieces, but like this is just sort of all in on itself and it does things and it, it um Yeah, I think the the, the the effect of this one is, is certainly more powerful than, than that of, of General Kudro, I think definitely. I think General Kudro might be a little bit more flavorful in what it does, but I think this is definitely a much more powerful card. And yeah, you're right, it's it's the stand essentially standalone, it's the whole package because it's it's a two mana two two fine uh but then it has an effect which which produces more mana which then you use that mana to pump into itself and the effect that it has is flavorful and also potentially very powerful too now let's talk about the design of this card yeah um what <laughs> what what's happening so i mean at first... least at least there isn't a three cmc simic broken card in this set yeah they decided to stop making broken three mana mythic three mana simic cards and make two mana broken simic cards yeah <laughs> it, uh, like the first thing to, to appreciate is that this was meant to be legal in the same standard format as uro which is still currently legal and is probably very good with this card yeah uh oko yeah and veil of summer yeah and once upon a time yeah were all meant to be legal in the same standard format like, how is that remotely reasonable <laughs> it it's such a stupid card like your simic decks are just built around this yeah, and like sure, it doesn't combo with Nissa, but like this, I guess, it just goes in the Nissa decks, right? Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> like, it, it doesn't combo with Nissa, but it combos with like everything else that the the Nissa deck wants to play. So like your mana dorks and your oh, what's it called? So you've got the the Leafkin is that Leafkin Elemental and 
the the one with Vigilance that you can play in the Bogles deck. Paradise Druid. That's the one, yeah. But this also casts a turn three Nissa very easily. Yep. Because you go turn one Gilded Goose, turn two this, turn three, make you have three lands and a Gilded Goose that now taps for two mana, make a Nissa. Yeah. Then you untap a land and that land taps for two mana. And, uh, <laughs> like, <laughs> And then you're just spending the rest of the game paying seven mana, which is basically tapping two lands to... Uh, Oh, not two lands, I guess, but, you know, with this, like activating this ability and just putting a non-human creature onto the battlefield is just absurd. Yeah. Uh, so, I don't understand this card. I think it's far too powerful. And then if you look at older formats, yeah, uh, let's look at Repeat Offender and card that should be banned immediately, Arkham's Astrolabe. Yes, this is a <laughs> ridiculous of Arkham's Astrolabe. Uh, so, obviously, Arkham's Astrolabe is a non-land permanent that produces mana. So if you go, if you have Kinnon in play and you go, right, tap my forest, uh, activate Arkham's Astrolabe, make two black, cast, uh, cast him to Turak. Yep, you can. It's a thing you can do. Like, because Arkham's because this thing with with these um, prismatic, what's the, what's the original one? Prophetic prism, the eggs, the things that tap for mana, right? You pay a mana yes. into them and they they the mana filter is right. Uh, I could have just said mana filters immediately. Uh, those 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 don't you don't traditionally think of as producing mana, right? Where you where you play a mana rock and it makes mana the, the, like they're filtering mana, right? So you pay one mana for one mana of any color. And the reason yeah. Arkham's Astrolabe is so good is because it costs one mana, it also replaces itself, and then you just get to filter your mana for the rest of the game, so you don't really care about the lands that you play. But now it makes a mana as well as just yeah. filtering that <laughs> mana, so it turns it into a signet. Yep. Which which is nonsense. Well, it's not a signet because it has to be two color, two mana of the same color, right? But like you said, you can go forest, play an Arkham's Astrolabe, island, play a Kinnon, not even make your next land drop, and still cast a one mana spell and him to Torak them with no black mana in play. <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> it's just so stupid. And this probably should just go in all the Arkham's Astrolabe decks, probably regardless of format. Yeah, because it turns that it turns Arkham's Astrolabe into a ramp spell, and Arkham's Astrolabe was already too good. Yeah, it's especially in like you look at like. The, the modern deck that's just like mistakes printed in 2019 with like Urza and Astrolabe and and Oko and Anuro and this just slots in there thank god it Mox Opal's banned yeah Jesus <laughs> Christ oh definitely I mean it pains me to say it but yeah 100% correct thank goodness Mox Opal's banned um, maybe Mox Opal's playable in Legacy now though I mean, maybe if it's making two mana. I like yeah. this. This card's just broken in a lot of places. Like this consideration for like Niv Mizzet reborn decks, where the, it just finds this because it's just a good card to play. Yeah. And then it's just like it just like it's really good in the early game on turn two when you untap. It's really really good, and then it just bridges you into the late game because you're making crap loads of mana off your random non on permanence, like your noble hierarchs and stuff. Basalt Monolith is the, the other big one here. Yeah, it just makes infinite mana. Like this, a good point to make. Don't make this. Don't build a commander deck around this card because no yep. one will like you ever. Fully agree, but yeah, this is just like turn one. You go land Mox Diamond Kinnon. Turn two, you go Basalt Monolith, make an infinite walking ballista kill you. Yeah, it's stupid. It's Welcome incredibly stupid. Legacy. Like, yeah, that's the thing. You, I, you just go like turn one, like in any format. You just turn one, like Noble Hierarch. Turn two, play a land, cast Kinnon off your two lands, and then you have a Noble Hierarch that taps for two mana, just cast yeah. another two drop. Like, <sighs> I don't like this card at all. I hate it. It feels very mythic for all of the reasons we've just said. Yeah, but... fully agree. This this card is one hundred percent a hit. Uh, I I think this card will be banned in several places this year, definitely. Yeah, and I hope it is. Yep, same. 
Cool. Should we move on to our next one then? Please. And uh, next up we have Luca, Coppercoat Outcast. He's three red red for a legendary planeswalker, Luca. He has plus one, exile the top three cards of your library. Creature cards exile this way, gain. You may cast this card from exile as long as you control a Luca planeswalker. Uh, minus two, exile target creature you control, then reveal cards in the top of your library until you reveal a creature card with higher converted mana cost. Put that card on the battlefield and the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. And minus seven, each creature you control deals damage equal to its power to each opponent. Uh, yeah, this is this is a hit. Yeah, I agree as well. But mainly in the sense that all face planeswalkers of a set are mythics. And planeswalkers are just mythics. Like Unless you're doing the whole, like, we're going to mess around with planeswalkers and make some of them uncommon and rare, all planeswalkers, especially if there's only two of them, three of them in the set, then they're all mythic, right? We'll see. And I mean, this, like, it has the weird, like, if you control a look at Planeswalker yeah. thing, which doesn't feel very powerful. I mean, I'm sure this deck card probably is quite powerful. Yeah, I think the I think the plus one ability is, is by far the weakest mode on this. Um, but, I, yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how relevant that plus one will be, ability will be, but I think the, the minus two, there's definitely some... There's definitely some some room for shenanigans there, I think. I mean, it fits that mythic build that I've been harping, harping on about, where it's just like a one-card a one card engine. Yeah. So it uh, plus ones to find a creature, which you can then cast with it, and then it yeah. minus twos to turn that creature into a different creature, and then the ultimate does stuff with creatures, right, that you've put into play, and probably more powerful creatures because you're birthing potting them yeah, into more powerful creatures. It even, yeah, it, like, it just, that minus two especially, like, just allows you to, to build your deck in a certain way that you're always going to hit something big as well. So if you, let's say, you, the only creatures in your deck are like, I don't know, you've got like like a mana dork to help you cast your Luka, and then you minus two, and then the next biggest thing in your, in your deck costs like eight mana, you just get that on the battlefield, and then the rest of your cards go on the bottom, back on the bottom of your library as well, so you're not really punished, they don't have to go into your graveyard or exile or anything. I mean, it's a weird thing for a red card to do, right? It is very strange for a red card so to like, do, yeah. The minus two is like, so, so the plus one I kind of like as a... Um, as a red design, but it's very much a green ability. Like yeah. the, the, that plus one is a green ability, right? Like it's it's a Vivian Nissa type thing, right? Where you look at the top three and then it's a creature card. Like we have a Vivian that literally does this, which is very weird for, yeah. so for, the, for this now red card to do. Um, and then the the minus two is like is a birthing pod, right? Kind of, or it's a polymorph more than anything. Kind of, yeah. It's it's like it's somewhere between a, a goblin char belcher and an Alpha druids. It's very weird. It's I mean it's a it's a polymorph. Yeah. But like you're guaranteed to hit the the bigger thing. So if you like mm-hmm. you said, if you exile a mana dork, then you have to hit the the bigger spell in your uh, the bigger creature spell in your library. Yeah. So it doesn't just like turn your gilded goose into another gilded goose. But uh, yeah, it, it's a weird design. Um, yeah, definitely. I I think I quite like it, but it is definitely definitely an odd one. I think five CMC is is a very safe mana cost for for this type of card. Um, I'm glad they've they've gone with that. Like if this had been like one red red or something, I feel like there was that would have been far too far too too good. I think. I mean, if this was a blue green planeswalker, it would cost one blue green. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and it could probably have all these abilities. Yeah. Like. Well, except I mean the minus seven. I mean, prob- uh, no, maybe. fight fight yeah, your opponent. Fight, yeah, fight your opponent. Yeah, yeah sure. that's that's perfectly green. It's a weird, it's a weird card, but it definitely feels mythic. It's fine. Yeah. Right, let's move on. Cool, next up we have Luminous Broodmoth. Two white-white for a creature, it's an insect, that's flying, and whenever a creature you control without flying dies, 
return it to the battlefield under its owner's control with a flying counter on it, and it's a 3-4. Uh, this falls into the category of it's doing a fun thing with a new mechanic in the set and therefore makes it a mythic, so I think it's a hit. Yeah, I've got this one down as a hit as well. Um, I, I think this is going to be one of those cards that you're just going to lose to at the pre-release or sealed or draft or whatever. Uh, it's It seems like it's going to be a very powerful card in Limited. I think for that reason alone, I think that's enough to push it into the, the hit category for me. But I also think it's probably going to end up seeing a good amount of constructed play too. With, um, well, I can't think of the name of the card. Solemnity. Right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right? That's Sack something you can do definitely, yeah. this. You can just recycle ETBs for forever. Yeah, that seems good, definitely. Um, I think I think this is mainly mythic because it does, like like we saw with the, with the mythic creatures that all have mutate, uh, this does something fun with a new mechanic. Um, there's something out of the ordinary with a new mechanic. So yeah. I think that's kind of why it fits into Mythic. But yeah, I mean, this is only a powerful ability as well. Um, and it's a big old math, which is cool. Yeah, I think this is a, a fantastic card, definitely. Cool, I think that was quite easy. That feels Mythic. Yeah, let's, let's, let's move on to a next one, which I think is also quite easy. Yeah, I fully agree here as well. So next up we have Narset of the Ancient Way. Uh, it's one blue, red, white for a legendary planeswalker, Narset. Uh, she has three abilities, plus one, you gain two life, add blue, red, or white, spend this mana only to cast a non-creature spell, minus two, draw a card, then you may discard a card. When you discard a non-land card this way, Nars of the Ancient Way deals damage equal to that card's convert a mana cost to target creature or planeswalker. And then minus six, you get an emblem with whenever you cast a non-creature spell, this emblem deals two damage to any target, and she starts at four loyalty. Alright, easy hit. What yep. part of this Fully planeswalker agree. is blue? <laughs> Uh, just the fact that it's Narset. Yep. I mean, the the looting, I guess, is, is blue. Is it? You draw draw a card, discard it. Yeah, Merfolk loot is blue. Faithless looting's red. Yeah, but Faithless looting was, was a mistake. Uh, if, it, if it had been discarded, you may discard a card. If you do draw a card, then yeah, that's red. But draw a card, then discard, it's blue, definitely. I mean, adding, adding mana on a Planeswalker... Mainly to cast, well, I guess, non-creature spells, but instants or sorceries. It's very much that's red. red. It's a red thing. Yeah. The only thing that's white on this is gain two life. It just yeah, randomly it says gain two life. Like this, yeah. could have, this, <laughs> this probably was an is it planeswalker at some point. Like, oh, we should probably make it. We should probably make it Jeskai because it fits into the wedges, and also Nasa has been historically Jeskai. Yeah, just just gains two life. This seems very very powerful. It yeah, seems, I it think it's incredibly powerful. I think Nasa is absolutely fantastic, and um, I think. She's one of those cards that's going to be very overlooked, but the fact that you only need to tick her up twice to hit that lot, that that minus six for the emblem, uh, I think it's going to be going to be very good. Um, and if the, the Simic cards don't just ruin the format, I think there's definitely definitely some scope for like a a Jeskai control deck there. Yes, I like that they've also printed a Jeskai card that doesn't immediately fit into the Fires we mentioned decks. Yeah, definitely. Because it probably isn't that good because it adds mana to cast spells. <laughs> then again, having like a, a free cast with Planeswalker that just ticks up to gain two life and then has like card selection tacked onto it is probably quite good as well. Possibly, yeah. Yeah, I think I think she's great. It feels weird colour pie wise. And the same the same with uh, Luca Luca. I'm gonna say Luca because yeah. it's a natural name. Uh it just feels kind of like a colour pie bend a bit. It just feels like we're like we're trying to fit this around the character rather than we're trying to fit it around like what a Jesco Planeswalker would do. Yeah, definitely, which I feel like is a little odd in this instance, um, given that we, we know practically nothing 
about Narset in the set. Um, like I said before, I haven't read the novel, but I, I have read quite a few bits about it. And I know that Narset appears in exactly two lines in the book, and that's it. I mean, sure. I mean, the less said about the novelization these days, the better. Yeah. And I mean, I, I guess it's it's kind of symptomatic of doing single set blocks where you just yeah, don't have definitely. the time to explore people anymore. Yeah, but it seems quite quite important i don't know like it seems like quite an important thing like not becoming jeskai again when like her whole story arc about like the timelines being shifted and she was she was blue white because she studied under ojitai and she lost the red but now she's got the red back i don't know it feels like it it's, might be an important story that we should i don't know at least discover at some point but i guess now is not the time it feels like this was like a slush card and it was like an is it card that they had. Yeah. And then they yeah. were just like, oh, we need to jam this into the set. Oh, we should probably make it Jessica because it fits the wedges. Let's add two life onto it and let's add white mana to the plus one ability. And like, oh, who fits that uh, Narset show? <laughs> like, it, it's honestly, yeah, it, it doesn't feel like it was driven by Narset as a character, really. I mean, yeah. it doesn't It doesn't feel like, I mean, apart from drawing cards, like it doesn't feel like anything Narset's done before. Like, yeah, damage feels very un-Narset. Narset's not one for drawing cards anyway. Narset's more about card prevention now, apparently. So, yeah, <laughs> I, I I don't think she she necessarily fits the design of this card, but I think it's a cool card, and I always love seeing Narset, so I'm happy with it. I do love Narset as a character. Yeah, same. Yeah. Cool, cool. next one. Next up, we have Nethroy, Apex of Death. It's a legendary creature, a cat nightmare beast, costs two white, black, green, has mutate... That is four Selesnia, black, black. Has Depth Touch, Life Link. And whenever this creature mutates, return any number of target creature cards with total power 10 or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. And it's a 5-5. Five, five. This is the easiest hit since the Broken Blue Green one. Yep, fully agree. <laughs> this card is just, just a hit, 100%. Um, that seems like it's going to be a very powerful ability. Uh, yeah. It, Seven it, mana to put 10 power into play. Seems fantastic. Yeah, it does arise of a Dark Realms without any downside. Because we saw Commander Dreadhorde from War of the Spark, which was a rare, but that yep. also had a massive downside of dealing you a crap load of damage. Um, yeah. This one is just... It, 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 <laughs> card's, card's very stupid. It also has Death Touch and Lifelink, of course, because why wouldn't it on a 5-5? Five five? Uh, yeah, yeah this, this card's just like an easy hit. I'm not sure its applications, but it's a, it's a sweet card. And, yeah, same. Yeah. Like I'm not sure where this will show up, but uh, in, in Limited, this is just going to be a beaten every time. Uh, and I'm sure people are going to love playing this in Commander as well. Yeah, it's a, it's a really sweet card. Hopefully, like, well, cause, because they've made one of the Commander decks mutate, even though it's Soul Tie, there's probably like there's, there's like a reasonable depth of mutate cards you could probably play in Commander, and this would be yeah. a sweet one, certainly. Yeah, very easy. I don't think there's a lot more to, to discuss, really. It's just, it's a hit. Yeah, right. I'm very excited to agree on the next one. Cool. Next one is Riel the Everwise. That is one blue-red for a legendary creature, Human Wizard. <laughs> And Riel Everwise gets plus one plus zero for each instant sorcery card in your graveyard. Whenever you discard one or more cards for the first time each turn, draw that many cards. Biggest myth of the set. Fully agree. This is an absolute myth. Uh, Blue-red legendary that misses. There's a surprise, right? I mean, Nymazit Perun was very mythic. Yeah, that is true. Uh, it was also a rare, though. Perun? Is that... Is that rare? Is Perun a rare? I'm sure Perun's a rare. Jesus Christ, probably is. You're probably right. Anyway, uh, this is an uncommon, <laughs> but it's also a legendary creature. Yeah, N- Niv Mizzet Perun is a rare. My bad. I'm stupid. Nah, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> I think whoever designed this card as a mythic is stupid, but 
you know. Yeah, the, it's the fact that we've we've seen that that ability gets plus one plus zero for each instant sorcery card in your graveyard, unlike countless uncommons like the past ten sets. Like, there's, there's nothing mythic about this card at all. I mean, the only it's thing just that's an absolute miss. vaguely mythic is when you discard one or more cards, draw that many cards. Yeah. So, like, this is incredibly stupid with Wheel, uh, Wheel of Fortune, I guess. Yeah, but even then, that that's only the first time each turn, so... I don't know, could that not have just been whenever you discard one or more cards, draw that many cards? Um, that feels a lot more mythic than this. Yeah, that's probably too broken, right? Because then you just, like, cycle through your deck with a lot of broken things, I, I imagine. I mean, yeah, this, is, this is, is... Which is what a broken, busted mythic should do, to feel mythic. But <laughs> this, yeah, this, I don't think this card is good at all. I mean, it's the combo with cycling, right? That's the that's yeah. the that's the point of this card. The the point is like the, f- the first card you discard each turn, right? It's when you cycle a card, so oh, you get to replace the card, right? And then it, it has applications yeah. with with I, I guess they're planning for older formats, I suppose. When you discard multiple cards, um, I mean this is probably sweet at the head of like a mono wheel of fortune windfall EDH deck, right? Yeah, quite probably. Because then you just cast a wheel of fortune, you draw fourteen cards. <laughs> <laughs> seems seems okay, uh, but. Yeah, this doesn't feel... The only thing that makes it more than an uncommon is the fact that you draw that many cards as opposed to just one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this 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 is a huge a huge myth for me. Yeah, same. I'm not feeling this one at all. Sweet. Cool. Next up, we have Snapdax, Apex of the Hunt. It's one red, white, black for a legendary creature. Dinosaur, Cat, Nightmare. There's Meat 8. That is two Rakdos, white, white. It's Double Strike. And whenever this creature mutates, it deals 4 damage to target creature or planeswalk and opponent controls, and you gain 4 life, and it's a 3-5. Um, myth? I think this one is a myth as well, yeah. I think it's, like, again, potentially on borderline, but definitely leaning over on the myth side. Uh, it doesn't feel as much of a myth as, as Brokos did, but I, I definitely don't think that this is a particularly exciting card. I mean, it, it has double strike, and I think that honestly tips it over the edge. Yeah. To maybe mythic, it feels kind of like like a Ketra, right? Like Ketra had a really powerful ability. You're like, mm, this doesn't seem that good, and then it has double strike. And you're like, okay, this seems better. I think putting. I think that the reason this is this is probably mythic is like having double strike on a mutate creature is probably nuts. Yeah, quite possibly. So like you mutate this onto something that's bigger than a three-five, and then it also deals four damage. Like it, it, it's a flame turn carvey that also gains you life and kill, can, can kill planeswalkers. Yeah. So if you mutate this onto like a five-five and it has double strike, and then also it, it's already done that ability, it's like it's probably mythic. Yeah, but it I guess you feel it when you read yeah. the card. I guess it, it's it's the fact that it is it is both a combat trick like a really well not necessarily a combat trick but it's a it's a removal spell before combat and also the beta that's going to win you the game yeah, like on the same turn so you'll like you'll mutate this on like your your big creature you'll kill their one creature that you need to to get rid of to get through to win that turn and then you get in with your your big creature that also has double strike yeah i guess i guess that's why but it feels kind of like a miss but like yeah i i think it I think it's just a just a myth for me. When you play it, it's probably going to feel absolutely nuts. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's move on to the 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 last mutate creature. I guess yeah, one? the last of the of the big cycle. We have uh, Vadrox, Apex of Thunder. That is blue, red, white for a legendary creature, elemental dinosaur cat. It has mutate for uh, one Azorius, red, red. It's flying, first strike, 
And whenever this creature mutates, you may cast target non-creature card with converted mana cost three or less from your graveyard without paying its mana cost, and it's the three three. Yeah, this is a big hit. Yep, fully Jesus Christ. as well. Yeah, <laughs> uh, like any time you get to cast something for free is is always going to be a hit in my book. Yeah, I mean it's just a like four mana to immediately cast something from your graveyard is pretty good. Yeah. Right, and then it also just has it's also just a flying first strike three three. Yeah, it's essentially it's it's like one mana give something flying in first strike and also recast something from your graveyard. That costs three. Yeah, it's 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 ridiculous. It seems very good. Seems yep. very good, definitely. Um yeah, I I'm not sure what's going on with the law of this card, but I I think this is the one that was in the trailer with Vivian. Maybe. I think it is. I think this is the one that you, you can get the pet for on Arena as well. Oh sweet, okay. That's why it's mythic. Quite <laughs> <laughs> possibly, but yeah, even like if this was just like three mana for a three three flying first strike, I would probably play it as well. It, it just it seems very good. Uh and yeah, I think this is this is a powerful ability. I don't know what I'm gonna what you would play it with necessarily I mean Oh I guess I do know what you'd play it with. It's Teferi, isn't it? Teferi is a non creature card with convert mana cost three or less. Yeah. This is probably quite probably okay in some kind of build of fires of invention as well yeah I guess this probably just goes in your Jeskai control deck with Narset right I mean maybe and, and other planeswalkers yeah. I mean yeah this is this is a good card seems good yeah, yeah I like it I like it a lot yeah. the fact Easy that it casts a is stupid <laughs> yeah yeah because cast a fairy for free from your graveyard sure yeah, why does it say <laughs> non-creature in Nights and Sorcery Jesus I, uh, yeah I don't know <laughs> I don't know I don't know alright let's move on Cool. Uh, next up, we have Vivian, Monster's Advocate. Three green green for a legendary planeswalker, Vivian. Uh, two stack abilities. You may look at the top card of your library any time, and you may cast creature spells from the top of your library. Say plus one, put a, uh, create a 3-3 three, three green beast creature token. Put your choice of vigilance counter, a reach counter, or trample counter on it. Minus two, when you cast your next creature spell this turn, search your library for a creature card with lesser converted mana cost. Put it on the battlefield, then shuffle your library. And has loyalty three. Yes, this is very mythic. I think this one is a myth. What? I Are yeah, you joking? I, I think the card's very good. I think it's very powerful. But I think I think that if this had been in War of the Spark as a rare, we probably wouldn't have battered an eyelid. I think for me, based on gut instinct alone, like when you compare like the big players of, of magic now, like which Vivian now is. Uh, I think, I think War of the Spark has kind of clouded my judgment a bit, and I think this wouldn't have looked out of place as a as a rare in War of the Spark. Right. Okay. So it's f- f- five mana planeswalker. Like five mana is quite a lot, but like right. Yep. So you have you look at the top card of your library at any time. You may cast creature spells on top of your library. That's card draw, right? You're probably playing it in a, in a deck that has a lot of creatures. Yeah. Uh, you plus one to make a make a three three. Plus one to make a 3-3 is very, very good. And we have seen minus to make a 3-3 on lots of Mythic Planeswalkers in the past. It also just gets Vigilance or Reach or Trample, yeah. which is absolute nonsense. And then it minus twos to when you cast your next creature spell, search your library for a creature card with less converted mana because opponents have it. Like, it also just draws a card and puts that card straight into play for a minus yeah. two. When you cast a creature. Converted mana cost. I think if it had been 
you get uh, to search. Converted mana cost plus one or equal converted mana cost. I think it would have been a lot better. Nah, this card's ridiculous. This this card, yeah. like I'm not sure in, it costs five mana. I'm not sure there's any deck that currently wants this. But yeah. in terms of just design and the amount of power that's on this card, it's just every ability is card advantage on a on a five mana green planeswalker, and that's nuts. I, I think it's a great card. I really do. But I I just think like when you like if you compare it to like the power level of some of the some of the, you know the big player characters that we saw in in War of the Spark, uh, and if you compare it to like everything else that's going on in in standard, I just on gut instinct this this didn't feel like a like a hit to me. You think the goddamn black white mustache man is more of a mythic than this? <laughs> Are you joking? It no no absolutely not no he definitely felt it definitely felt more of a more of a hit than than this to me. All right, this is the most flavorful one, surely, right? Because Vivian is is mod, is the monster's advocate, right? That's her name. That's that's sure. entirely what she does. She she like she conjures beasts and she she makes friends with them and she she has the entire of nature on her side. And all of yep. her abilities are cast creature spells from your library, make creatures, and cast creature spells from your library. Like that's yep. the most flavorful Vivian thing ever. Yeah, no, I, there's I, no way I, this is a rare. I, I, not in this set. No, I think potentially a War of the Spark. It could have been. Um, I that I, says more about War card. of the Spark than it does about this card. Oh yeah, I agree definitely. Um, I, I I do think it's a good card, but I think in in the context of, of Hit or Myth, I think on gut instinct, it it just it just doesn't quite excite me. Nah, this is this is the most mythic thing ever. Like, I mean, Nissa. I'm very I'm very happy to be wrong. Like, <laughs> like definitely very happy to be wrong, but. For me, this does this doesn't feel exciting. Well, like Nissa who shakes the world is a mythic in every other set, right? It's oh, just yeah. War of the Spark. N- Nissa who shakes nonsense. the world is, is a is an absolute hit, definitely. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like Teferi is also just a super mythic in every other set, right? It's yep. just War of the Spark was an absolute nonsense. I think if you just exclude if War of the Spark hadn't messed around with planeswalkers, but it's like it was like you know War of the Spark Narset does kind of feel uncommon. It's just when you apply it with other cards, it's just absolutely nonsense. Yeah, definitely. Um, this is this is such a mythic. We just need to move on because I'm just getting angry. <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> uh, next up, we have uh, we're not a joiner of forces. It's two red white for a legendary creature, human warrior. Uh, whenever a non-human creature you control attacks, look at the top six cards of your library. You may put a human creature card from among them onto the battlefield tapped and attacking. Gains indestructible until end of turn. Put the rest of the cards on the bottom of your library in a random order. This and feels four, four. like one of those very disappointing mythics that you're like, yeah, I kind of get why it's mythic, but I don't want to play yeah. it ever. I, I fully agree there as well. Uh, I think, again, like there's there's a bit of a flavour win. So w- with this one, I've got hit, but a borderline hit. Um, and again, that's based on gut instinct, mostly, I guess mostly based on flavour for this one. The fact that it's it's the joiner of forces, non-human creatures attacking and you're getting a, a human to to come and join the party help out um it's it's not particularly exciting but i i, I definitely understand what's going on and yeah i, I think it, it does it, it just falls the side of the the hit the hit border for me i think i think just about yeah i mean it's it feels very similar to like chance for glory yeah where you're like yeah i get what this is mythic but it's not very good <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, they've, they've managed to make another Boros commander that cares about attacking with creatures, so yeah. that's cool. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's fine. I understand kind of why it's mythic. Um, it feels like she's part of a cool story, or like what's happening here is very cool, like depicted in yeah. the art. But like, I'm not excited by it, which I feel like I should be by mythic. 
like like Kinnan, right? Yeah. Like I'm excited by that in all the wrong ways, but I'm excited by that. I'm like, oh, this feels this feels really really powerful and really really stupid. Same with Vivian. That's how I really feel about Vivian. Yeah. But, <laughs> but this one, I'm just like, yeah, it does things. I also yeah. like, the deck building restriction on this to make this really good is just ugh, it feels kind of off. Yeah, I, I think if they'd given it like another ability as well, it would have it definitely would have pushed it well over the line and on a hit. Like if it had like. Uh, like first strike or vigilance or, or menace or something then yeah definitely but i think for me it just just leans over the hit line um and that's mostly based on flavor i think sure and it's, it's a cool ability you know I, I do think there is there's potential there i'm not sure what yet what what human and non-human pairings you can have together but there's got to be something good there yeah probably i mean it, it's fine it's very sure. much fine right Move on to the last one. Move on to our last one. So our last one is uh, Zilortha, Strength Incarnate. It's three red-green for a legendary creature, dinosaur, trample, and lethal damage dealt to creatures you control is determined by their power rather than their toughness, and it's a 7-3. Hit. So I've got hit question mark for this one, and I think this one is this one is a bit strange. So first up, this one is not in the set. It is the Biobox promo. And this one is also only available in the Biobox promo uh, in the booster pack and the collector booster uh, in the, the promo slot. However, this one is only available if the Godzilla King of the Monsters art. That's why it's a hit. That's why it's... Yeah, I think that's why I've got it down as a hit question mark for me because I, I, have, no, I, I have no idea what this creature is. We know it's a dinosaur. It's a dinosaur. It's Godzilla. He's the king of it, the monsters. It's, it, he is the king of the monsters. I, I agree there, definitely. But I don't know. I just feel like it, it would have been it would have been cool to see what this this legendary dinosaur looked like, or to have like any any just any indication of, of what Zilortha is and what Zilortha means to Ikoria. Like we we haven't a clue. Uh, we know that there, there is no regular art version of this card being printed. It's just the Godzilla one with a with a magic name. That's why it's a mythic because so, it's a barbarian and it's Godzilla. That's the only reason it's mythic. It feels very strange. I, I don't feel like I can fully evaluate it without seeing what the magic card looks like. But as far as the Godzilla card, it's a hit, definitely. Yeah, I mean, but there's always going to be that question mark there for me. I think it's also a five mana seven seven with trample. Essentially, yeah, I think it's a pretty cool effect. <laughs> like, it's a pretty unique effect as well. I feel. I mean, this is the timiest of all mythics, right? Yeah. If we just ignore the whole Godzilla nonsense biobox promo thing, it's just the timiest of all mythics. So it's a, f- a five mana seven seven with trample basically, and it makes your other creatures probably better slightly. Though I've seen a lot of very even like, uh, parent toughnesses, right? Like where everything is just yeah. sort of like a six six or a four four, like rather than the the lopsided uh, parent toughnesses we actually have on this card. Yeah. yeah, it's a weird one. I don't I don't like the fact that it's just Godzilla and you can't actually get a Zilortha, right? Like yeah. You just can't get it. But, I mean, yeah, it's a mythic because it's the Biobox promo. It, I mean, in the same way that Haunt of Hightower isn't a mythic, but it was the Biobox promo for Ravnica. Yeah, that's true. Haunt of Hightower certainly was not a myth. Yeah, yeah. it certainly was not a hit. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Like, so it's just the Biobox promo. Biobox promos apparently have to be mythic now because yeah. they just do. <laughs> <laughs> right, cool. Well, that's that game done with. I think you said awesome. I think you said hit on like eighty percent of them. Yeah, definitely. Most of most of them feel like hits apart from the one me, that was objectively a hit. Uh, I don't know about objectively, but damn yeah. fool, Loudon. 
<laughs> I, I'm happy. To, I'm happy to be wrong, and most certainly I'm wrong. But for me, it just doesn't feel exciting. However, shall we move on to some cards which are exciting? Yes, I'm very aware we don't actually have that much time left. Yeah, that's true. We don't have much time left, but I think, I think we've got a few cards that are worth talking about. Yeah, we have a few cards that we want to hit, because, I mean, we said we'd do a whole set review, and then we were like, we really want to dedicate, like, in terms of, like, writing reviews for all these cards, like, 12 hours of our time to this. <laughs> but probably not. I mean, I've not got a lot on, but, you know. Yeah, it, it's one of those things that sounded like a really cool idea, and then uh, the logistics of it are a lot more difficult than you would you would imagine, really. We're not a big enough podcast for for us to do that kind of thing, you know. One day, <laughs> that's my, one day. That's my cool, yeah. So let's let's hit a few few more spoilers before we get out of here, and we'll talk about I guess the big ones, or at least the ones we think are yeah. big, and then we'll realise uh, like when I finish editing this that we've missed a load of other cards, or that we're completely wrong about the cards that we did talk about. So since you did all the the reading of the cards for Hit or Myth, I'm going to read these cards if that's cool with you. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. So first up, we have the Triome Cycle. Yeah, this is a, an interesting one, it isn't it? It really is. So it's we have three uh, three color lands for each of the wedges, uh, and I'm gonna I'm gonna read Raugrin Triome, which is the Jeskar one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it is a, a land, and it is an island, mountain, and plains, uh, which means it taps for blue, red, or white. End of the battlefield tapped, and it has cycling three. It's good, isn't it? Probably, yeah. Do you like um, strictly better Mystic Monastery? Oh. Uh, <laughs> Yes and no. I think that argument was bad from the start. Yeah. Because, like, <laughs> I mean, Steam Vents is strictly better Highland Lake, right? Like, yeah, you're allowed to have strict upgrades, and it's not like those were rares that have been just usurped, right? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so instead of finishing off the Amonkhet cycle of enemy-coloured... Enemy-coloured? Yeah, enemy-coloured... Yeah, uh, bicycle lands. Bicycle lands. We Oh, God, I hope this doesn't catch on. We have these tricycle lands yeah. for each of the wedges. I fully agree, by the way. <laughs> sure. So, yeah, these are just really better because uh, a Mystic Monastery, for example, just enters tapped and adds three colours of mana. This enters tapped and adds three colours of mana and is also fetchable. You can also search it with stuff like Farseek and it has cycling three. Yeah. So any place you were playing any of those cards, you play this in addition or in place of, depending on whether you're playing Commander or not. Um... I'm not sure these do make it into fetchland formats. I think yeah, like tapping for like fixing three colors of mana is a lot, but also the option to not have to, like lacking the option to have enter untapped is a big deal. As what yep. was why we know that the the shocklands are so good and stuff like the battlelands aren't as good because yeah, definitely they're hard I, to I think, come in untapped. I think they will you know without a doubt they're going to see some standard play definitely, but I think outside of standard, um, the only competitive format where these cards will see play. I think it's going to be Pioneer, and I think it's only going to be one or two specific decks that want them. Like, the five-colour Niv-Mizzet deck will will have these happily, definitely. Yes, um, yes, I will. They're going to be great to play early game, and then later in your cycle seems fantastic, but I, I feel like there probably isn't really another deck that wants them. Like, maybe the Sultai deck can play the Sultai one. Um because it's yeah, because it cycles. It's, it's good. It it's good on turn. Yeah, it's good on turn one, and yep. then it cycles, so it draws your card and also fuels delirium. Yeah. So I think I think sure. the salty one's probably quite good. Uh, yeah, like you said, like um, the Niftalite decks were playing around with um, specifically Frontier Bivouac and uh, Sunset Citadel. 
to fix yeah. the colors. And now we have strict upgrades on both of those because one exists for each of those wedges. Uh, so we're just going to play those now. If, but the mana base evolves all the time. It changes. Sometimes you play 10 temples. Sometimes you play no temples and try lands. Sometimes you play fast lands. But like, uh, yeah, these are certainly exciting for that. Uh, probably cool for standard. And they're a cool design. We don't have time to address everyone's concerns with these. They're cool. I like them a lot. Um, I want them to finish yeah. the enemy cycle at some point with the two color lands. I really do. I, oh, I, yeah, these are cool. I think they're like fine. I'm not excited by them. I'm not excited by them in the slightest. Uh, I think the, I think they're very for what they are. I think they're a very safe design, which again I think that's fine. Um, but at the same time, like they're going to be very playable and standard, so that's cool. Uh, and I I always love seeing a, a a rare land cycle. I think it's always fantastic, and no matter how good or bad they are. Uh, so yeah, I'm happy to see another set of a rare land cycle. Also, speaking of Jeskai Fires for like the seventh time this episode, this yeah. is very this specific one is very good in Jeskai Fires. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> any any of, any of them are good in Jeskai Fires. It's yeah. it's a land. Jeskai Fires doesn't care about them coming into play tapped or not. Yeah, you're not casting spells on turn one. Nope. Sweet, cool. Let's move on. Our next card is Gigantha the Wellspring. Yeah, one of those fantastic companions we've heard all about uh, is four and a Gruul hybrid for a legendary creature, Elemental Elk. Love me an elk has companion and its companion restriction is no card in your starting deck has more than one of the same mana symbol in its mana cost yeah uh, and then it taps to add wooberg and it can only be spent to cast gem- to pay generic mana costs and it is a five five jesus christ so you can't have like a, a card that costs one white white in this in the, in the starting deck everything has yeah. to have uh, different different colors in its mana cost um uh, it's pretty good. We're talking about Niftalite, and I've also mentioned that deck quite a lot because I like it a lot. This is very good in the Niftalite Pioneer deck and probably in the modern deck also. You just yeah, don't definitely. get to play. You don't get to play Supreme Verdict in the main deck, and then if you want to sideboard Supreme Verdict in, you can't cast this from your sideboard. Yeah, sure. um, it's it's a pretty unusual card. I think um, I don't know. Like it, at the very least, it's just another five color commander option. Uh, you can obviously do shenanigans with Fist of the Suns. That's that was the first thing that came to mind for me. Yeah, it's um, you can probably build your Joda deck, which is a Fist of Suns in the command zone. Just doing yeah. this, it's fine. Yeah, uh, I just think this card's like an interesting design, and I think it's probably more fuel for the fire that Companion was a mistake as a mechanic. Because yeah, that I fully agree there. <laughs> that if you're doing if you if you're building a deck that wants a creature that taps for Wooberg, then you're deck building restriction isn't that far away from that companion ability anyway yeah uh yeah it's just it's an interesting card it's probably very playable in pioneer possibly modern and probably most five color commander decks yeah agreed cool next up we have your favorite card oh yes uh, Lurus <laughs> of the dream den which is one or of for a legendary creature cat nightmare and it certainly looks like a cat nightmare it has companion each permanent card in your starting deck has converted mana cost to two or less that's lifelink and during each of your turns you may cast one permanent spell with converted mana cost two or less from your graveyard and it is a three two yeah this card is absolutely fantastic uh i'm gonna play this card in legacy this card is very very playable in ad nauseum tendrils how many uh how many permanent cards do you play with converted mana cost two or less like all of them yeah Yep. Yeah. Just yeah, I think that there's like the permanent cards in Ant cost zero. Do you like free storm count? I love free storm count. I love going 
swamp dark ritual lurus on turn one. Like that's going to be a thing. Yeah, I like lotus petal. Like lotus petal dark ritual lurus. And then yeah, turn two you can attack. You can gain some life that makes your ad nauseums less taxing. Uh, it also reduces the storm ca- the storm count that you would require as well if you can hit your opponent. Uh, it also deals with planeswalkers. Like typically, like Ant just doesn't really have good ways to deal with planeswalkers. Like sure, like Thoughtseize and Duress are, are good, but outside of those, like it, we don't have a way to deal with them. Um, I think the the ones that you would really care about are stuff like like Khan and Narset, and this can definitely deal with those. I, yeah, I think this is great. And the fact that it's it's always in your hand as well. It just, it, again, just adds fuel to the fire that Companion was a mistake. And I really hope that this is not the card that gets Lion's Eye Diamond banned in Legacy. I mean, that's the thing. Like, at some point, you might just want to crack your Lion's Eye Diamond for white just to flex on your opponent. Um, yeah. <laughs> the, uh, yeah, it's just, at worst, it's a free Storm count because you yeah. play a Lion's Eye Diamond, sack your Lion's Eye Diamond, which we were going to do anyway for three black, then cast the Lurus from your sideboard to free Storm count, and then you just cast your Lion's Eye Diamond again. So you've just, you've just made two free Storm count. Yeah, yeah. Crack, crack your Lion's Eye Diamond, dump your hand in the graveyard, uh, cast this, recast your Lion's Eye Diamond, crack your Lion's Eye Diamond for red, tap another land or two, and then, yeah, past in flames and storm off. Yep, this card's very, very good for that format. It is, yeah, it's fantastic. Um, I'm not sure it's great. Feels elsewhere. feels very, very strange to, <laughs> to have it like a, a three mana three two in your storm deck, but uh, yeah, this is this is the world we live in now. Yep, Companion I think this card's card. great, and I'm as soon as as soon as we have any kind of inkling about paper magic events being a you know being a possibility again, I'm gonna buy a nice foil one of these probably. Sweet. I mean, yeah, because you don't have to actually have it in your deck at any point yeah so it can be foil and not have to mess with uh, be or curvy like all magic cards are these days yeah definitely the fact that it, it lives in your sideboard i think i'm absolutely fine like giving up one sideboard slot for this seems great right let's uh, speed, speed through the rest of the cards we want to talk about the, the, the next one is part of a cycle of uh, of the of wedge colored enchantments so this one is titan's nest it is uh, one black green blue for an enchantment. At the beginning of your upkeep, look at the top card of your library. You may put that card into your graveyard. And then it has an activated ability of exile a card from your graveyard, add a colorless mana, spend this mana only to cast uh, colored spells without X in their mana cost. So, uh, all all cards have delve. Yeah, essentially this gives every card in your, in your deck that doesn't have an X in the mana cost delve. And it, it, it fuels the delve. It does, yeah. It mm. fuels the delve, it Gives cards delve. I, I mean, outside of commander, is this going to be any good? I think it's Maybe. potentially very powerful. Yep. Uh, we we know how powerful an effect delve is, but it costs four mana, and yeah, I I don't know. I don't know if this does a lot outside of commander, but I can definitely see there being some ways to abuse it in commander. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, this is probably what Saltar Ascendancy looked like. Looked like. Yeah. And then they were like, yeah, definitely. Nah. Because I mean this this does what Sultai was doing in Khans of Taka. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Casting Delve spells. Uh yeah, giving everything Delve is kind of I mean it's probably very good in basically every Sultai Commander deck, like you said. Um I I'm not sure how good this is in constructed formats because it does cost three uh, different colours of mana, which is certainly a restriction. But it's a stupid card. Giving everything delve is not a good thing. Yeah, fully agree. Yep. Cool, right, next one. 
this is a simple one. We have a reprint of Lead the Stampede. Yeah. So that's not legal in Pioneer. Yeah, that will be legal in Pioneer now. Um, I think it's it's definitely a notable one for that reason. I think it's definitely the type of card that uh, that just helps helps to be like an elf deck in Pioneer. Like there's always an elf deck in every format. I don't think Pioneer quite has the the right cards for it yet, but I think Lead, Lead the Stampede could be the one to get there. Yeah, having some combination of Collect Company and Court of Calling and Lead the Stampede uh, is probably pretty good for elves. Uh, it, modern elves, not that it's very good. It has been good at times, but not that it's very good. Has played Lead the Stampede in some number at some point. Uh, it's obviously a staple in, uh, pie, uh, in uh, pauper elves decks. Uh, yeah, it's, it's cool to see this reprint. It's possible it just sees some standard play as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I, I'm... I'm I'm glad that they've reprinted this card. It's a, it's a very it's a very cool one to see, and it, it fits very well with uh, with Vivian's flavor, and with just you know all sorts of random mad beasts attacking you and stampeding. So, you. Uh, it's also a story spotlight card as well. If you <laughs> if they mean anything anymore. Yeah, Vivian rides some goat people things. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Next one, we did briefly mention this one last week, but let's talk about it properly. It's uh, Yodaro Wandering Monster. I love this card. Yes, it is 5 red red for a legendary creature dinosaur turtle. Yep. Uh, once again, it's probably a tortoise, not a turtle. It has trample and haste, and it has cycling for one and a red. And when you cycle your diary wandering monster, shuffle it into your library from your graveyard. If you cycle the card with, uh, named... I can't read any cards. Named Yodaro wandering monster four or more times this game, put it onto the battlefield from your graveyard instead, and it is an 8-8. Eight, eight. Yeah, I think this is great. Uh, this this might actually be my my actual favorite card in the set. I just think that's an absolutely fantastic design. Uh, it's yeah, like two in a red, draw a card, and then yeah, the fourth time you cycle it, trample and haste. It's an eight eight. It's pretty good. I yeah, I love it. I think it's cool. I love the art on it as well. It's a giant dinosaur turtle. What's not to love? Yeah, it, it feels very very much like a meandering tower shell from Cards of Tarkir. Yeah. I've made a lot of references to Cards of Tarkir in this set. And it feels very similar to it in a lot of in a lot of axes. I mean, partially the wedge colours, but also just like flavour wise, it feels kind of similar. Yeah, I, I agree there definitely. Um I I think that there's there's definitely there is definitely a feeling of similarity to Khan's and I I think yeah, the wedge colours are definitely gonna gonna help sort of increase that feeling, but yeah, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of potentially powerful things going on like what Khan's had at the time and a lot of unusual you know mana costs and, and colors and I don't know I, I do feel like that this 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 almost feels like it might be tied to Tarkir in some way because we have Narset visiting here as well Narset gets a red back here so I'm not sure it it would for me it would be sad if this became the wedge plane and Tarkir never goes back to the the Khan's world that it was, because it's a, two, it's a two-colour plane now. Uh, but yeah, I definitely do understand the the bizarre feeling like like Tarkir. Just so many similarities, even with yeah. the, the Trilands and all that nonsense. Anyway, let's move on. This card's very sweet. Let's move on to the next one, which is Dranith Magistrate, which costs one and a white for a creature human wizard. Your opponents can't cast spells from anywhere other than their hand, and it is a 1-3. Yeah. So we, we have a new hate bear, and it's a hate bear that specifically only hates on your opponent. Because we normally yep, see. I think this card is great. Yeah, we normally see hate bears uh, have a symmetrical effect. So things like Thalia make everyone's spells cost one more. Uh, things like Aether Swan Canonist make everyone not be able to cast more than one non artifact spell. Uh, and 
now we have a card that specifically hates on your opponent's things. I'm not yeah. sure it's actually that applicable <laughs> currently. I mean, it, it, it's probably... We've seen this kind of slot in every set, right? We've seen like a random hate bear in a standard thing that kind of yeah. it fits slightly into what standard's doing and tries to hate on one thing that's, that's that's happening in standard but doesn't quite get there. We've seen like to cut the honor guard and stuff like that where it, it, it's, um, it stops ETB effects and it was never quite good enough to actually make it there and this feels like so this this clearly hates on um escape, escape. yeah yeah uh, and it's probably not good enough like i said before we're not seeing that many escape cards actually see that much play outside of like one and two ofs in, in a couple of decks and this probably isn't that good enough i'm not sure it's good enough to even for eternal formats really um so it, it hates on urza i guess in every format that urza is is currently dominating in yeah, uh, it does hate. It's, it's if this was printed like two years ago, it would probably be very, very good in Legacy, because it just yeah, quite possibly. It, it just it, it it it's one of those cards that buys you enough time against Ad Nauseum Tendrils that you can yeah. just kill them dead before they do anything about us before they can find a way to deal with this. But Ad Nauseum Tendrils currently is terrible, <laughs> and is not particularly playable in Legacy, uh, and you already have enough hate bears that just hate out that deck anyway that they have to deal with between Thalia and Gadget, yeah. You don't need a third. Yeah, definitely, and. Yeah, I think like on on a similar line, I was thinking, oh, maybe it could see play in in vintage and in the sideboard, but like Lavinia just fills that role against the storm decks better. Like and does other things. Yeah, this yeah. this stops them from doing like Yorgmoth's will stuff, but yeah, Lavinia just does so much much better. Uh, so yeah, I I don't know I don't know where this will see play, but I wouldn't surprise I wouldn't be surprised to see it turn up in sideboards. Yeah, I'm definitely going to pick up some because it's probably going to be great for like a couple of weeks in the Legacy meta game, right? But yeah, um, yeah like I said, it, it 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 stops it stops Cascade. I guess it stops Companion as well, doesn't it? It does stop Companion. Yeah, and we'll see how that all plays out. I guess <laughs> I'm very excited for the world to get back to normal, so we can see paper tournaments happen every weekend, and we can actually get some proper results all the time. And see yeah, same. But like, uh, as, as much as I feel like it's going to be a complete mess to play with this set in paper, it is very exciting to just. Just to see, like what applications these cards have in in eternal formats. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like I said, like this 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 hates on escape and it hates on companion, um, and it and it hates on Urza and it hates on ad nauseum tendrils specifically, but not even all the time because it only like cares about the past and flames draw, I guess. But uh, yeah, it, it's an interesting card. Uh, but I, it's a, I just think it's cool to have like this this non symmetrical effect, being like your opponents can't do this, but you can do whatever you want. Yeah, because it, it's it's kind of difficult with like stuff like containment priest a lot of the time. But like you yeah. want to play containment priest, but it also shuts off your aether vials. <laughs> so, it, it, it we'll, we'll see we'll see whether this actually gets any play. But it's it's, it's certainly a cool design, and it certainly has applications. But I don't think it's quite good enough because there are cards that really fill that slot a lot of the time. Yeah, agreed. Cool. Right, next one. Let's talk about pushed blue cards. Uh, we have <laughs> C Dasher Octopus. Yeah, this card's mm-hmm. great. So this is uh, one blue blue for a creature yep. octopus. <clears throat> it has mutate for one and a blue. It has flash, which means you can also mutate it at flash speed. And uh, when whenever this creature deals combat damage to a player, draw a card, and it's a two-two. So you Seems can fantastic to me. Yeah, yeah. For the for the price of a lutoral core, you can just turn your creature into a lutoral core without yeah. shadow. But yeah, this card's this card's really really good. It, and without the looting as well. Yeah, well, yeah. I suppose it's, yeah, it's, you just draw a card. it's actually a terrible <laughs> comparison. Uh, it, it does. Uh, uh, what's the Ninja of the the, 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 
the Deep Power. Ninja of the Deep Power. Yeah. Deep Power, yeah, that's the one. It, it, it is a better Ninja of the Deep Powers. It's, uh, I mean, just cause, because it's an octopus alone, it definitely uh, definitely wins out there. I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, this thing, it just, it, like, it, it, so it doesn't bounce the creature to your hand, which I guess some of the ninja. The, the places where Ninja of the Deep Powers was, was very good was when you get to rebuy like a, a spell start sprite and stuff like that. Yeah, or Baleful Strix or something like that. Yeah, but this just turns your unblocked creature into a bigger creature or like the same creature that it was and just gives it this ability at instant speed yeah. and just it turns it into a draw engine. Uh, this card's very, very good. And yeah. Yeah. It, <laughs> I just think it's a very pushed card. And I think it's, probably, yeah, it's very, think very playable. This is going to be one of the easier mutate abilities to to cast as well the fact you can do it at instant speed and it only costs one the blue i think when you combine this with some of the the big legendaries that we were talking about before and the, the hit or myth i think you're going to see some powerful things here i think i think a lot of the mutate cards just it feels like they're trying to push you to build a mutate style deck yeah like focuses heavily like, on mutate where this is just good in blue blue decks that have some creatures probably evasive creatures it's probably very very good with brazen borrower yeah yeah definitely great with brazen borrower again if there is some sort of jeskai mutate non-creature spells deck then i think this probably goes into that like mutating this onto your onto your vadrock to get your teferi back from your graveyard and then draw a card seems very good can i interest you in mutating this onto an uro oh absolutely yeah, <laughs> yeah it's probably it's probably just like it fit, fits very well into the, the decks that are already playing blade brazen borrower because it's such a good combo yeah because brazen borrower is already already very very good and then when you attack draw a card onto whenever it does combat damage it's just it's so much better yeah, this card's very, very good. And it's going yeah. to see a lot of play. It is going to see a lot of play. Cool. I love it. Yeah. And finally, when we're already an hour and a half into this goddamn episode, again, we keep doing this, we have the return of the ultimatum cycle. Yeah, this one's interesting, right? Yeah, so we had the, the shards the shards ultimatum cycle, which were the shards, uh, and now we have finished them off with, uh, with wedge colours. So I'm going to read one, because we do not have time to go through them all. This is Inspired Ultimatum, which is the Jeskai one again, which costs uh, blue, blue, red, 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 white, white for a sorcery. Target player gains five life. Inspired Ultimatum does five damage to any target, and you draw five cards. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, gain five, deal five, draw five. Yep, seems very good. Yeah. So, these... There's a lot of these cards. They do a lot of very good things. Um, some of them are very much commander cards. Some of them are probably kind of standard playable. And for the millionth time, we're going to mention Jeskai Fires. Yeah. Because that incredibly restrictive mana cost, which is why these cards are powerful, just doesn't matter anymore. Because if yeah, you have definitely. seven lands, you just cast this for free. Yeah, I think we've already seen like four color fires be a thing in standard. Um, I've seen like I've seen some five color fire fires in in best of one uh, on the arena ladder as well. Um, I think I wouldn't be surprised to see four color, five color fires be the the new norm uh, and that deck that deck can very easily just play any of these cards um yeah any of them seem good as well like if you can play an eerie ultimatum which is the um the absan one in your jeskai fires deck well not jeskai i guess your, your fires deck and then bring your cavaliers back from the graveyard and then give them haste then yeah sure that's probably a thing you can do i just wouldn't be surprised to see fires deck playing these cards and this this cycle might just be what gets fires banned in standard that was one of your predictions i wouldn't be surprised year, to right? it happen it was yeah one of my predictions for the air was definitely uh fires of invention will be banned in standard at some point yep and i wouldn't be surprised if this is what does this it. this is certainly pushing it there yeah yeah um i think these are more powerful than the original ultimatums 
Um, all of them are probably slightly less powerful than Crawl Ultimatum. Uh, I don't know. I think Reunus Ultimatum is very good. It's just what I think is funny in terms of Commander, because I'm going to try and shove that in anywhere I can. Uh, it's just a strictly worse Cyclonic Rift, which is hilarious yeah. for a seven mana Mardu card <laughs> that casts all the colours. Yeah, I guess it's it's planar cleansing, but it costs one more. Yeah, but I guess it's it's it's, it's one on permanent to your opponent's control. Yeah, so okay, yeah, that's it's quite a bit better. They're, they're, they're sweet. I'm glad to see them return. I, we'll see how much of a mistake they are when you have Fires of Invention in the format. Yep. Uh, but yeah, they're, they're very, very cool. And I'm glad to see them again. I fully agree. And I think we've probably missed loads of cards, but that's what I want to talk about this week, because goddammit, this is another long episode. Yeah. I mean, there's there's been there's been a lot to talk about in this, this once again, a monstrous-sized episode. But I I think Ikoria looks fantastic. Um, this is one of the, the strangest, most complex most exciting sets i think that i've i've seen for quite some time um it definitely still feels really really up there and pushed in terms of power level i think this is going to be an exciting set definitely and i'm really interested to see how it plays out yeah i agree there's a lot of cool cards there's a lot of interesting cards there's a lot of nonsense going on that i imagine is probably gonna have to get banned at some point um yeah yeah, it's 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 still a sweet set i'm still very excited to actually get my hands on some cards and see how they see how they i guess create new decks or at least go into the old decks we've seen before yeah definitely it's going to be great uh, i guess i guess i'm going to pop it in here before we say goodbye but it's probably going to be far too late by the time this this episode actually comes out but uh i will be playing in the uh the special magic arena streamer exclusive early access event uh, that will be taking place on arena uh, on wednesday evening and through thursday as well uh, where myself and some a whole load of streamers who are way more popular and successful than myself. We get to play with all of these these cool cards early on. Uh, we get to play Constructed, we play Sealed, we can play Draft. Uh, I think it's really cool. Uh, if you if somehow this gets out before then, or it doesn't, I don't know. I don't really know why I'm, I'm plugging it here, but if I guess if you want to go watch the VODs, so you can check it out over on my Twitch channel. That's twitch.tv slash peachgardenoaf. I have participated in two of the events before, and it's always really fun. And I'm really looking forward to playing with these new cards there. Yeah, I'm going to come and bully you. It's going to be a fun time. Yeah, do it, definitely. Yeah. It's going to be great. Sweet. going to cast some, some Godzillas and Mothras, and yeah, it's going to be a good laugh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, do you get to play with the the, the old art cards? Yeah, yeah, Sweet. yeah. All right. Fully Wizards of the Coast providing a fully stocked uh, account with, like, wild cards and, and gems and uh, like full mastery as well so anything and everything that you, you could want to do or show off it's going to be there so I'm definitely going to be casting some Godzillas and Mothras excellent I'm very excited for that it's going to be great but yeah it's pretty much all we have time for this week uh, how do you feel about Ikoria are you excited to, to smash these monsters as, as we are it's it's going to be great I, I think uh, let us know our feel- your feelings uh, over on social media you can hit us up on twitter at hfdcast facebook.com slash hfdcast or if you've really enjoyed anything in this episode and you'd like to give back in a monetary way hit us up at patreon.com slash devastation where tiers start from as little as one dollar per month that's roughly 20 to 25 cents per episode you can find the podcast on spotify and soundcloud and itunes if you wanted to go to one of those platforms and leave us a review or a comment or a rating or just share it with your friends, we'd really appreciate it because it helps us get the podcast out to more people. Yeah, absolutely. Just a great way you can support the show for free. If you want to find me on my own personal social media, on Twitter, I'm at PeachGardenOath. Uh, on Facebook, I'm Joe Loudon. You can find me in pretty much any of the magic groups. 
But you can also find me on Twitch and YouTube under uh, Peach Garden Oaf. That's twitch.tv slash peachgardenoaf and youtube.com slash peachgardenoaf. You'll find me there, definitely. I'm putting out just a ton of content at the moment and just trying to really take advantage of this this lockdown situation. Uh, yeah, you've really been taking advantage of a lot of this time. You've been putting up so much extra content, that's absurd. Yeah, I even played Brawl. <laughs> and you really enjoyed it, which is the main thing. Yeah, it only took the end of the world, right? <laughs> <laughs> to finally play Brawl. Yeah, uh, you can find me on Twitter at snail69. Nice. And nowhere else because I'm not trying to extend my brand. I have too much access to the internet as it is. <laughs> that is that is fair enough. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> As once again, we're approaching the second hour. The Godfarer has returned, so we'll see you again next week on Hour of Devastation. (laughs) 